Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Embark on a journey into a gripping narrative where intrigue, secrets, and unexpected twists await at every turn. Play as June Parker and investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s whilst uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder. Rediscover the magic of June's childhood as you roam the vast estate filled with secrets and memories waiting to be uncovered. Gather compelling evidence and decipher clues, immersing yourself in a captivating world of discovery that will keep you hooked until the very end. Compete with friends and other players to see who can solve cases the fastest or achieve the highest scores. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Discover the secrets of the past. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash westwood1. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash westwood1 now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash westwood1. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. Good morning and welcome into halftime on this fabulous Thursday across the natural state. It is great to be with you. I'm Phil Elson along with Drew Barrett and Maddie T. And we got you for the next couple of hours and a lot to, lots to get to, which involves a new member of our uh, fine company, ESPN Arkansas, Chuck Barrett. That was announced earlier today. That's exciting news and certainly stuff that will be Getting on, we'll try to get Chuck on the show as soon as possible. I don't know about today will work, but uh, we're going to have him on at least once a week for the foreseeable future. So maybe we can start with something like that tomorrow. Uh, We've got a lot of basketball talk with uh, Muss uh, and the uh, men's basketball team getting down to one of their practices before the European vacation. Uh, Drew was there along with Ty Richardson. Bob Holt also is in attendance, and this, of course, is a Thursday, and uh, we'll have Bob on. Couldn't have Bob on last week because of SEC media days. I think that was right when Jimbo began to speak. So he needed to be there for that. But we have him on today, and I'll get his thoughts on what he saw at basketball practice yesterday. And also a question I want to ask the listeners. 
because over the next month, uh, you basically have like four weeks until the start of the football season. So we want to start uh, looking at some of the position battles at Arkansas preseason camp. We're mm-hmm. going to go with preseason camp instead of instead of fall camp. It's like it's like calling baseball practice spring practice when it's happening in January and in, and in February. We'd like to be a little more accurate with how we're describing practice, so we'll just call it preseason. I'm okay with that. All right, so position battles that interest you, and we'll give you the ones that interest us, and then kind of week by week we'll focus in on some of them. Well, not week by week. We really got to hit on them next week because things might start coming. It's picking up, yeah. Yeah, a little more into focus once you get into the second, third week of uh, of preseason camp. Uh, baseball talk to get to as well. Major League talk, trading deadline uh, still approaching. We asked yesterday, is Andrew Benintendi going to get traded? The answer was yes. I guess he kind of expected that. I think the Royals knew that he would be a two-year rent a player if they weren't if they weren't competing for a playoff run, they are not, and so uh, they got a couple of the minor leaguers in uh, exchange for Benny to the New York Yankees. I wonder how Red Sox fans feel about that, but they've had plenty of practice <laughs> in their uh, some of their favorite players ending up with the Yankees and even winning World Series with them before uh, they had a ch- before uh, the Red Sox even mm-hmm. won their three Cardinals talk with Katie Wu from the Athletic. And maybe the worst name in the history of pitchers in Major League Baseball. Um, but uh, first thing I want to hit on here today, um, we had Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports on the show a couple of weeks ago. He lives in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. but covers uh, all of college football for uh, 24-7 Sports. Uh, we dug into the SEC with him. He had a great sit-down interview one-on-one with Greg Sankey uh, that was wide-ranging, had the same Style interview yesterday with Kevin Warren from the Big Ten. And Brandon gets good stuff. He gets really good stuff from these commissioners. I found it, I found it interesting how Warren went through, through every single commissioner that he quote-unquote works with in, in college football, the Power Five. He mentioned uh, Klyakov from... The Pac-12, who mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't make it to some of their meetings because of certain reasons. Uh, your mark with the Big 12, called them a master marketer. Phillips with the ACC, and of course, there, there's Greg Sankey. And had great things to say about those other leagues and those other commissioners. But then when Brandon Marcello asks him about the hypotheticals of a possible SEC versus Big 10 college football playoff, he did not throw any cold water on that and excludes the other conferences from essentially what these two leagues would view as a national championship. And this is coming right out of Brandon Marcello's article, the quote from Warren. He says, everything is on the table, everything. The business of college athletics has evolved, has evolved at a more rapid rate than the organization and the governments, uh, the governance and can't allow that anymore. Need to sit down and stop saying, well, this is how we used to do it. And I'm not saying throw away tradition. I epitomize tradition. I guess the Big Ten views themselves that way. Continue on as Kevin Warren. We have to stop asking why and start asking why not. Why haven't we done it this way? Doesn't, doesn't mean we change. You've got to be comfortable enough. Certain mindset in certain areas. Even if you ask why not, people say, wait, you're not for tradition. I think you are for tradition, but we have to start asking those questions. I don't know what he means by tradition because now college football has changed the way that they've... Mm operated as far as deciding who the national champion or champions are 
You on, want tradition? Go back to AP times. style. Go exactly. back to AP. I mean, well, even back then, Drew. I mean, you had like four or five or six different national mm-hmm. champions from the Football Writers Association, from the UPI, from the AP, the coaches as well. Finally, you ended up with you know one that theoretically everybody agreed on. So you had one national champion with a BCS, but even once the AP couldn't go with the BCS national champion. Now you have something that most people, everybody agrees on. You have one national champion. Don't talk to UCF from a few years ago. That's a whole different conversation. And I don't know necessarily where the idea of tradition comes in now to deciding a national champion because things have changed three times in the last 30 years anyway. Yeah, it really has. I mean, my lifetime has never had a full-on tradition of college football of it's looked like this forever. I mean, I born in 94, have four years of AP. Then, you know, we had the BCS era, which is what I grew up on, what I, what I knew mostly about with the computer systems, the algorithms, AIs, and all the other stuff that went into the BCS. And then now we're getting into the college football playoff, and the, the 14 model has been okay, but I think we can all agree that it needs expanding. It needs to add more teams, bring in some more excitement. So... Realistically, for a lot of people in my generation, we don't know this "quote unquote" tradition. We've heard about tradition. We we've heard about how we how most people how they've always done it. You know, with with API, with, with UPA, and all these other different organizations that uh, crowned a champion. But I think that when you talk about tradition, what most people think of are matchups, right? And, you know, keeping rivalries going. That's the thing about tradition. The tradition is who you're playing and, you know, what Saturdays look like on campus or at these stadiums where these college football games are being held. Do you still have the pageantry? Do you still have have the alumni, the student bodies, the the cheerleaders, the band? You know, the, the pageantry that is college football that cannot be matched and has never been matched, I think, in any other sport, either professionally or or at the college level. So that's something when I think of tradition as far as it comes to college football. But Kevin Warren has done this for the last couple of days since he's been talking at Big Ten Media Days. He's not shutting down any idea. You know, there's been reports you, you that can. everybody, every team, apparently every team outside of the current 14 and now it's about to be 16 members of the SEC has apparently contacted Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. Every, that's insane. We're talking every ACC team, Big 12, Pac-12. Uh, that is absolutely insane to think about that this is the way that it's going. And when you're getting contacted by everybody wanting to join your your league, then, yeah, an SEC Big Ten you know, showdown for a national champion doesn't seem that far-fetched. It's like a line in the sand. Exactly. It's like a line in the sand. It's like when, when Greg Sankey talks about that, it's, all, it's like a shot across the bow to the other conferences that, you know, that, that dare to disagree mm-hmm. with the way the SEC would like to structure or have the college football playoff structured. And the other 800-pound gorilla is the Big Ten. So, I mean, if you're, gonna do, if you're going to say to the other three leagues, while there are still three Power Five leagues, uh, uh, other three, three other Power Five leagues around, be like, look, we've got the powerful teams in these conferences. Mm-hmm. You know, once USC and, U- and, and UCLA join, and whomever else does, whether it's Notre Dame to the Big Ten or Clemson and the two other Florida schools to the SEC, you've got, you've basically got 
you know, like all the national champions from the last X amount of years within the same leagues. Mm-hmm. And, and so at that point, you say, look, we are the, the legitimate power conferences. This is the national championship. And, and to the other leagues, be like, look, you're either on board with us mm-hmm. or you're not. And it, and it can end up being as simple as that. And, and, and that's also, what it feels like. It just feels like, mm-hmm. like utilizing your leverage a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, just back to the whole conversation about tra- tradition. Tradition, you know, if college football the way that we've known it, it's been out the window for for a long time. It, yeah. it left it left when Arkansas, South Carolina joined the SEC. It left when Colorado joined the Pac-12. It left, it really left when Nebraska, Nebraska left the Big 12 to join the Big 10. This idea of realignment is killing college football today is ridiculous because we've been realigning since we began. There's a reason Swanee, the school of the South, still isn't competing in the SEC. There's a reason Tulane's not competing in the SEC. We've been realigning and structuring different conferences and different levels of college football to get the best of the best. And this is just kind of the road that whether, you know, when we all started down this college football road 100 years ago with with conferences and and you know, making it the structure that most of us have known for all of our lives. When we started on this road, this is where it was going to end up. Whether anybody saw it in 1950 or, or 1992 or 2007, I think is when Nebraska left, whether they saw it or not, that's where it was headed. Uh, it, it was always headed here because that's what we've been doing for the last hundred years. We've been realigning, we've been strengthening certain entities over others. And this is, this is the outcome that happens. You know, you got to stop throwing around the world the word tradition mm-hmm. with college football because same with fair and balance. It's, it's just stop, uh, stop yes, it and parity. It's yeah, just, oh, it's God. just obvious now, man. That and it has been for a while. I don't think anybody's worried about like the tradition of how we're choosing the national champion. You just mm-hmm. want something everybody agrees upon because nothing has quite satiated people's appetite for 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 I think what they view as a legit national championship and better postseason football mm-hmm. games that feel like they matter more than just the bowl games and you never really know if the teams care or not. The tradition that people I think more are interested in if you want to throw the word tradition is don't change the NCAA basketball tournament. That's the tradition. Like that's the real tradition mm-hmm. in choosing a champion in college sports. The College World Series, March Madness, those sort of things. Are these things going to change? You know, when college football has its mm-hmm. way and you get an SEC Big Ten championship that we could view as a national champion, but the real traditions of college sports in the postseason mm-hmm. that work, because the bowl system for me does not work, uh, those are the things that I get worried about changing. And those will be the traditions that I think we can actually refer to as traditions. 877-377-6963 to get on halftime with us today. Calls and texts. And lots to get to, including Benny, now a Yankee after this. It's halftime. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online. Where the game starts. News that we have too many power hitters, too many sluggers. That's fake. <laughs> we got we got savages in the lineup and really good hitters. Ben and Tenney's a great hitter. 
gets on base at a really high clip, hits from the left side. So yeah, gives you some balance. So if 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 we get him, that's that's another really good big league hitter to add to the mix that's going to lengthen out a lineup and potentially give you that balance you look for. So um, if we get him, I'll be excited to write his name in. Rumor season. You can hear it. He wasn't quite sure. He even he didn't say the fake news was the trade news. It was that they don't have enough power. Yeah, the Yankees don't have enough power with 168 home runs. But, hey, you know, John Carlos Stanton's now going on the injured list. Uh, so they're losing some of the power. They're losing their second top power hitter right now. And it's not like Benny is the power hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a 20 home run season. And he's hit three this year while he's focused on making more contact. He's reaching base. I mean, he's got a, he's got a high, decent OPS of 785. It's not great. Uh, but I, I imagine they'll expect him to, I would say, probably produce just a, a, a little bit more uh, for this uh, two-for-one deal. Uh, there's a former Mizzou pitcher that's headed to uh, Kansas City with this trade, TJ Sikama, a left-hander. You know who Benny's first game against the, uh, for the, uh, for the Ro- Yankees is going to be against? Uh, we got today. I'm going to guess the Royals. The Royals know. are in Yankee Stadium oh. today. That's right. So it makes it a pretty interesting, easy travel for him. Somewhat unique situation. Yeah, uh, this, I, I'm this, guessing they arrived. No, did the the KC play yesterday? Because if not, I guess they arrived yesterday. They did. Well, Drew. They lost. Uh, they lost to the Angels uh, four to nothing, and were defeated by a pitcher whose last name mm-hmm. is Junk. That's a great name. I mean, could, could there be a worse name for a pitcher than Worse? Junk? I think you mean, could there be a better name? I don't think there could be a better name. Fireball especially, if, especially, better if, name. especially. If, well, not not necessarily. I mean, what what kind of pitcher is he? I've never, I've never seen. I've a never, I've never heard of uh, Mister Junk. Is is he a left handed? You know, he is a right handed. His name is his uh, name is Jansen Junk. Double J. He got a good split finger. I mean, was. Throwing spitballs. I mean, what kind of junk is he? Yeah, throwing? this is the kind of guy who probably has. It's it's three different definitions for the pitch. I remember there was a pitch that a guy named Neil Heaton used to throw called the screw knuckle change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think he needs like a screw knuckle curve change thrown in there for a name like junk. But yeah, he's from Seattle University and was a twenty second round pick of the Yankees in twenty seventeen and and and, Mr. and went five shutout innings against Kansas City yesterday. Benny went one for four uh, in his last game as a Kansas City Royal. He joins a pretty interesting list of players that have played for both the Yankees and the uh, the, the Boston Red mm. Sox. And, of course, I mean, Benny was a hero the last time the Red Sox won the World Series. He made a couple of incredible plays in left field. Is that his Who rookie did... year or second year? No, I think that was his second year. Second year. Okay. Because I, I, I couldn't I, – I'm still – I can't remember if I saw – the Orioles play at Fenway in 17 or 18, and I know that Benny was on was that 18. team. That was, that was his third year, but his second full year. In the okay, league. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, that, make, that makes sense. Remember that leaping catch in, in left field and then a diving catch coming straight in that I think was the final play of, of, of one of the last games of that series. So, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that, quote-unquote, never has to buy a drink in the city of Boston or anywhere in in uh, New England, well, but he's also maybe not, he does now. Though. No, I mean, no, if he does not, enough, if he wins one with the with, with New York, he might have know, to buy a drink again. It's different than that, though. I mean, like so, Roger Clemens, you know, Johnny Damon, Wade mm-hmm. Boggs, they weren't traded to New York. They signed as free agents. That's they true. made the choice. 
they made the choice. Jacoby Ellsbury, you know, he made the mm-hmm. choice. This is different getting traded, and it's not like he went from the Yankee to the Reds from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Uh, Wade Boggs, Johnny Damon, Don Baylor, uh, Clemens, of course. Mm-hmm. Clemens and Boggs won their World Series with the Yankees and not the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Ellsbury. I forgot Ricky Henderson played for Boston. He played for like half the teams in Major League Baseball for his last 10 years or so. Yeah, and most people only remember him playing for the A, so. Mike Lowell, Sparky Lyle, Louis Tiant, David Wells, Kevin Euclid. You kind of forget Euclid mm-hmm. played for New York briefly. And some dude named George Herman Ruth. I've heard of him before. Yeah. Well, I mean, good for Benny. So he's one of the, he's one of the first guys that you expected to be traded to actually go. Uh, and do you think he fits in with the with 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 St. Louis? Nah, it looks like St. Louis needs to get some arms, mm-hmm. maybe a maybe a catcher that can hit because Kniezer is not much of a hitter, and I don't know if Molina is going to be hitting on his way back. They need some they need some bats, they need some arms too. That's uh, I don't I I'm I'm floored that St. Louis still has the last wild card spot right now with all these injuries. And mm-hmm. and on the pitching staff and um, amongst their their position players and and even in a spot where they they're missing what seven players in Toronto because they're unvaccinated I believe so yeah. and then have the old dudes Wayno and Pujols come up big yesterday in that uh, in that win all of them are uh, may end up I don't know, you won't get votes for manager of the year you usually got to like win the division for that to happen but um, he's done a great job with all these injuries it's it's mind blowing mm-hmm. actually. With, with Benny, though, I mean, trying to figure out where he's going to fully fit. Do you think he's going to, I mean, obviously he's outfielder. I mean, Aaron's playing center. Do you think he takes over for Stanton and right or uh, plays the plays the left side? Uh, well, for right now, he's probably going to be in right field. Yeah, I think he can play both spots. He played center field at Arkansas, but he's more of a corner outfielder. I think he's good in the outfield. I mean, I'd have him out there over Stanton. Unless you're worried about, you know, Benny being about a mm-hmm. foot shorter and he's not going to make leaping catches at the fence or whatever. But, I mean, he's a, he's a really good outfielder. Uh, won a gold glove last year. So, I mean, it, I think it's a bit of an upgrade defensively even when Stanton comes back. And maybe you can DH him a little bit. I also love that quote from, from Aaron Boone. You, you heard him refer to our hitters as savages. It's just like, how often does he say this? It was famous, you know. He made that famous rant with a manager a couple of years ago, with a John Boy got all over mm-hmm. the country with the effing savages thing, and now mm-hmm. he refers to them as savages in the press conferences. You can even hear some of the writers laugh when he says it. It's hilarious. It, it's definitely uh, a different term. It's a term you don't really hear around baseball. That that's kind of one of those things. Like, and it's one of those terms that I like to stay away away from. Also, like ever comparing athletes to to animals i think that's just something you probably need to just distance yourself from not not do but you normally hear comments around that like on on football you know high intensity impact contact sports you don't really hear that phrase being thrown around about about a bunch of baseball players no not so much but i I mean they they can hit i mean you look through their lineup i'm not saying it's it's you know the the twenty seven Yankees, but I mean it's some good. It, there, there's some good power and some good players on this team. So I mean Anthony Rizzo's at first base, Glaber Torres at second, Kiner Faleva, who's more much more of like the old school shortstop mm-hmm. who fields, is is at shortstop. How do you have how do you have this many home runs? One hundred and sixty eight home runs as a team in today's day and age in Major League Baseball, and your shortstop hasn't hit one. 
That's hilarious when it comes right down to it because that's just not the way the game is built any longer. Well, as the announcer uh, two days ago at、uh, City Field for the Subway Series for a lazy fly ball in right said, it'd be gone in Yankee Stadium, but it's a can of corn in right field in City、right. Park. Yeah, w e r e s been that I mean, way it's, for a long time. I mean, it's true,、time. though. I mean, when you got, when you got short front porches, you could probably hit a, hit a few, few extra homers. It, it, it has been that way for quite a long time. I mean, there was a, there was a time where the、uh, where right field was, was less than 300 feet. Oh, that's just a matter of fact. That's just a matter of fact. I know. I know. I'm pretty sure there aren't any places like that right now. Got a question from Chris and Van Buren on the text line. Is Andrew Benintendi the best player currently in Major League Baseball that is a former Razorback? And I would have to say probably、yeah. so. Probably so. You know, McCann is more of a defensive guy. Stanek is good, but, you know, you take an everyday, an everyday hitter who's an all star, by the way, too, this year、uh, over a reliever, even, even though I think Stanek is good. I think Trevor Steppen's going to come up big. I think Smiley's had his moments. You know, Dallas Keuchel hasn't had the best year. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, Brian Anderson is good, but I'd put Ben Intendi ahead of all of them right now. We'll see what happens, though, in the future. Maybe Dominic Fletcher will get a shot, a shot at、uh, the Major League sometime soon. He's already up at AAA.、Uh, and for those who want to talk basketball practice, Bob Holt's coming up in a minute. He was there yesterday. So is Drew Barrett. And we're brought to you by Booyah Bait Company. Right now, they make the hottest swimming jig on the Arkansas River, the Booyah Mobster, designed by the Muddy Water Mob locally in Arkansas and Oklahoma. It's been winning tournaments on Lake Dardanelle and Kerr Lake like clockwork. So, if you're fishing submerged or matted grass, make sure you've got the Booyah Mobster to reel them in, and you'll find it at learnet.com and tackle stores everywhere. The Booyah Mobster. Bob Holt from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette next. It's halftime. Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith, located at 9390 Rogers Avenue. They have a huge selection of beers, wines, and liquors, and competitive pricing on all the top brands. Dave and the crew at Eastside Liquor always provide friendly service and assistance, like carrying your purchases to your vehicle and the convenient drive through service. Give them a call at 479 452 Now, back to the podcast. You know, when we played Baylor and we played Duke, I felt that size was a problem. You know, I don't think there's any hiding that. And I think that, you know, going into year four, that, you know, the next progression was trying to fill roster management and maybe where we lacked in the prior years. You know, in the first year, we had, you know, some really, really great shooters, but we had a center at six foot six. Now our point guard's six foot eight. <laughs> that does help to describe things for the、uh, massive. Change in the way the team is structured、uh, here in Eric Musselman's、uh, third year at Arkansas. And he had an open, there was an open practice yesterday, open to the media only. Bob Holt was in attendance and he's with us right now. Bob, how are you doing today? We missed you last week. How was SEC Media Days?、Uh, it, was, it, was, it was good, you know, as always.、Um, you know, it's a little different having it in Atlanta, I guess, for the second time, but it, it, was, it was a good, good time. So, if I were to ask you what stood out mostly from yesterday's basketball practice, really all you got to do is like look at the roster and look at the, at the height of, of, of some of the players that have come in here. And it also goes to just like Eric Musselman said, you got a six foot eight point guard in Anthony Black.、Uh, and did I hear, I think it was Trayvon Brazil mentioned there are four players with wingspans of seven foot two or longer. 
So, I mean, the athleticism feels like it's off the charts, but the last two teams were athletic too. They just weren't as long as this team is. Is that what stands out most, or, or was there something else that, that, you, that caught your interest? That's funny, before you played that clip, that, that was my thought. Because, yeah, we, I guess we got to watch about 40, 45 minutes, something like that. And, you know, you're in the practice gym, and so you're, you know, you're standing or sitting, you know, very near the court. And just the size of these guys, and not just one or two guys, like everybody. I mean, it's almost like the court shrunk because they're so big, and, and not just big, but as you alluded to, the wingspan. And um, Arkansas are really loaded up on that in the transfer portal and, and also inside of some of these freshmen. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's the thing that just stands out to me, just how big and long they are. And you, you, just, you can just imagine the, the issues they're going to give opposing teams on the perimeter um, with the length they have in terms of challenging three-point shots, just making it tough to drive, and then being able to protect the rim. And just the way they got up and down the floor was impressive. You know, the way the big guys can run on the fast break. And it just looks like it's going to be a really fun, exciting team this That's season. Cool. What, what do you make of, of the three players that were that were put in front of the media yesterday? I would imagine it just feels like it could be rare, uh, you know, especially with a team that's got, you know, a, th- a three-year starter or a two-year starter that's coming back for his third year in, in Devo Davis, who, who wasn't in front of the cameras yesterday. And I don't think it has anything to do with Devo, but you had, you had Anthony Black, you had Nick Smith, and Trayvon Brazil that were all in front of the cameras. None of them were part of the program last year, and two of them are incoming freshmen. And they all sounded, I mean, it's, it's July. It's awfully early for, for players this young to be in the official press conference. What did you make of, of just the fact that those three were in front of the cameras? Well, I, I can't remember when it was a month or so ago. We, we talked to Eric, just kind of get a, a basketball update. I guess it was during the College World Series, so it would have been late June. And, and they, they had Devo and Ricky Council in there. Rick, Ricky's a newcomer from Wichita State, but he's an older guy, a senior. But, yeah, those guys, you could tell they were very comfortable, very confident. You know, not cocky, but when you think about Nick Smith, I mean, he's, he's considered one of the top, you know, two or three, you know, freshman of the country is going to be a very high draft pick in all likelihood and anthony black you know played on the u.s under 18 or under 19 i can't remember which one it was but that was in mexico and just obliterated all the competition from you know the latin american countries and and then you know trayvon brazil you know played for missouri last year so he's already got sec experience and missouri didn't have a very good season obviously because they had a coaching change, but he was really impressed. He had a good year. He was hurt early, and then I remember watching. I saw Missouri play twice in Tampa because they were going to play. They played Ole Miss and LSU, and the winner of that Missouri-LSU game was going to play Arkansas, and he was by far Missouri's best player and a really impressive guy. I know he was a good get for Arkansas. So, yeah, I think it just goes to show that um, you know those freshmen and are very mature, you know, they don't seem like typical freshmen from, you know, they, they, like I said, they were very confident, they were relaxed, they were having fun. Uh, you know, Trayvon, like I said, he's, he's got some SEC experience, but he's still a young guy, he's just a sophomore. So it sounds like the team's already bonding pretty well on this trip to Europe. I think it will only enhance that. They're going to be together, you know, for 10 or 11 days and in a foreign country, and hopefully they'll have a good time being in Spain and Italy. Those are pretty fun countries to go to, I would imagine. I've, I've never been... Europe, so I'd like to go sometime. But um, 
yeah, it, it, uh, they were impressive watching them at practice, and they were impressive talking to them afterwards. Yeah, Bob, it was great to, you know, get to see you and everybody there at practice yesterday and to, you know, really take in this team. And I don't know, and I, I was talking to Ty about this last last night after after practice of not a lot really wowed me. And maybe it was because we've set the bar so high for this team that even when it is good, I'm expecting great. And one thing that kind of I saw that might have been a little bit of an area for concern, especially when we did get to see, you know, a good amount of five on five, uh, was Anthony Black on the defensive end of the floor. He got uh, Darren um, Ford blew by him a few times. He didn't really uh, seem to have some defensive woes. Was that just me trying to, you know, pick and find something wrong, or, or did you kind of see that as well? Uh, sounds like you're just trying to be real negative. Yeah, I might be. You're right. I guess I didn't notice that as much. Maybe my eye for detail wasn't as good. I, I guess I was watching more on the offensive end, just watching the way you know Nick Smith obviously can score. It. I'm sure he's going to score a ton of points, but I was really impressed with his passing. Uh, a lot of people I've, I've seen have referenced this either on social media or in stories that long pass he had to, uh, to Jordan the Walsh and the way he finished the Walsh course. I mean, God, that guy's so impressive physically. The way he can finish around the basket, he's just, you know, looks like he's going to give, you know, people a lot of facials in the lane. Just hopefully he doesn't, doesn't get called for charges. But um, just the way he goes to the basket is so impressive. And um, like I said, the way, they, the way they ran the floor, I like that a lot. Um, you know, defense, obviously, if you're going to play for Eric, you're going to have to defend. Uh, Eric talked about you know, Todd Lee, who's uh, new to the staff, was a South Dakota coach the last four years. I think his title is something like assistant to the head coach or something, but he's you know, a very experienced guy. He and Eric coached together in the CBA in Rapid City. And he mentioned, I thought it was interesting, Todd said that in practices they devote a lot more time to defense than they did, say, 25 years ago or whatever in the CBA. And But, um, yeah, if, if guys are having defensive lapses, I'm, I'm sure they're, they're going to get that those things fixed. Oh, I'm sure they definitely will, Bob. And I, I think that the, I was impressed by the Mitchell twins, but as far as transfer goes, and, you know, having watched him uh, play at Wichita State last year, it, it's hard not to get kind of caught up in just the athleticism of, of Ricky Council. What, what were your thoughts on seeing his, his athleticism in, in person yesterday? Well, yeah, he had that one move and just had a monster dunk and he slapped the backboard, which I don't know. Maybe you get away with that in FIBA <laughs> rules. But obviously, I don't think Ricky, like I say, he's an older guy, an experienced guy, so I think he'll know not to do that in a game or else he'll get teed up. Or maybe if they're beating somebody by 40, he'll do it for some fun or something. But, yeah, he's a super athletic. I think it was Nick Smith that said he thought he was athletic until mm-hmm. he watched Ricky. So, um, yeah, this team's just really got a lot of size and athleticism and length and um you know they've still got to obviously you know work out the chemistry and you got 11 newcomers and how's it all going to work you know how are these guys going to blend with with a guy like Devo that's by far their most experienced player at this level although certainly they have guys with a lot of college experience you know the twins from Rhode Island and and that you know like I say Trevor Brazil played a lot from Missouri last year but um you know Eric mentioned if you're going to win at a high level, you know, in college now you got to have, you know, lottery picks helps, and they definitely kind of got some lottery picks with these incoming freshmen, and then you got to have draft picks. Like right? they have a lot of guys on this roster, I can definitely see playing in the NBA eventually. You know, some might be high 
super high draft picks. Um, some might be second round picks. Some might be free agents. But um, you just feel like there's just a, a, a great uh, accumulation of talent right now on that roster, and it's going to be very competitive for playing time. We know Eric. I think he'll play a lot of guys early, try to figure out rotations, but then we know as the year goes on, he normally tightens that up to eight, maybe nine guys. That's going to be interesting because there's going to be some, probably some pretty good players who aren't getting a lot of minutes as the season goes on. I don't know if it, I think it was Ty that asked the question about uh, to Trayvon Brazil about the differences in the in practices between Mizzou and Arkansas and had to laugh. I don't know if if Trayvon meant meant this the way that it came out, but he said fewer water breaks at Arkansas. And then he mentioned about the intensity of the practices, the intensity of the team managers and how they get involved in things and keep the energy level up. Um, and, and you know, we, I've, I've seen a couple of practices before, but it's like the players when they're in, uh, you know, for their first couple of months. And, the, and th- th- these these practices seem to come off differently under Eric Musselman than they do under maybe any other coach. Uh, in in the SEC, I'll say, and maybe maybe college basketball. I mean, did you you got a sense of that intensity watching yesterday? And then the answer from Trayvon, I think, kind of kind of said, "Yeah, this is a huge difference from here to there." Well, yeah, he did quickly add they're very well hydrated. I don't think you want to make it sound like this is <laughs> 1955. They're denying guys water or something, but obviously, yeah, I think it's pretty intense. It's obviously got an NBA feel to it. I've had not that I've been to NBA practices, but I've had former Razorbacks like Joe Klein and, and uh, guys like that talk about how when they go, you know, Eric's invited them and, um, you know, it, it does have an NBA feel to it. And I think, you know, that that's a big part of their recruiting too. Everybody wants to play in the NBA and you look and you see that uh, Moses Moody came in, you know, first one and done. And then, you know, Jalen Williams really developed, you know, quickly in two seasons and he's a high draft pick and, um, you know, Isaiah Joe was a second-round pick. I know he was a Mike Anderson recruit, and kudos to them for bringing in Isaiah. But, you know, I think he really developed well under Eric. Um, you know, and he's playing for the Sixers now. So now you just feel like, like I say that, you just feel like there's a lot of NBA players. I, I won't be surprised if a guy like, like Stanley Moody makes an NBA roster as a free agent this year, you know, senior from South Dakota. Um, you know, I think he had a pretty good summer league with, with the Pistons. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um yeah, they are very intense practices, and it's interesting. You know, Eric would stop them and obviously have instructions and bring them in together. But and he said that they did more up and down yesterday than maybe they normally would, just because they I guess they wanted to provide good video for people and and so the fans can see what's going on. But at this stage, I'm sure they're, they're still doing a lot of fundamental work, a lot of station work. When you know, if the cameras aren't rolling. Well, we'll leave it there. It's good to talk to you again, man. Thanks, uh, thanks as always, from for your time. Okay, you guys take care. Appreciate it, Bob. You got it, Bob. Bob Holt, Democrat Gazette, joining us each Thursday here on Halftime, which is brought to you by Riley Farm Dental. Dr. Bo Sparkman and Dr. Brogan giving patients better lives and comfortable experiences, providing all the dental procedures, braces, implants, cosmetics, and everything else. They've been voted top three best of the best now five consecutive years. You'll find Riley Farm Dental online at RileyFarmDental.com, 226-3500, the phone number. You can just visit them in the entrance of Riley Farms at Highway 71, 5901 Riley Park Drive, Suite A, Riley Farm Dental. All right, you got the first hour to wrap up here after the break. 877-377-6963. 
Mike Neighbors' women's basketball team has quite the non-conference schedule. More games away from the bud than at home. It's unique. And we'll get into that and more next. PristineAuction.com is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site. With an A-plus BBB rating, auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed authentic signatures at affordable prices. Just last week, an autographed Justin Herbert jersey sold for $110. Deals like these are happening all the time on PristineAuction.com, and they have just about every player you could want in including Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and so much more. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item one when you use code HTL when you sign up. Again, pristineauction.com, use code HTL and get $10 off your first item one. And that's not all. In addition to $10 off your first item, we are giving away a signed Traylon Burks Arkansas Razorbacks jersey to one lucky listener who signs up using this code HTL. Here's your chance to win. All you have to do is sign up on their website using our registration code HTL to be entered. Visit pristineauction.com register today. Now back to the podcast. First hour here, wrapping up on halftime, calls and texts, questions, comments, 877-377-6963. We touched on it yesterday briefly uh, that Arkansas women's basketball announced their non-conference slate, the entire slate yesterday. Uh, The NCAA allows a maximum of 15 non-conference games. Uh, Razorback women's hoops will play 15 non-conference games. Eight of them will be away from Bud Walton Arena. Hmm. Uh, you got a number of neutral site games, two in San Diego against Oregon, and then either Ohio State or F- South Florida, and then three uh, neutral site games in St. Thomas, Northern Arizona, Clemson, and Kansas State. But you are on the road at the opponent's home floor, two games in Arkansas. They're at UAPB. UAPB is a couple of SEC transfers, uh, Maori Davenport from Georgia, Zai Green from Tennessee. So there's going to be a talented UAPB team, much different than they ever have been before. And then Arkansas plays at the Stevens Center against UALR. That's the second time that Mike Neighbors' team has visited Little Rock mm-hmm. to play against the Trojans as the road team. And then they'll visit Creighton to make up the home and, ro- the home, and home with a loss to Creighton last year. And there's some really good teams here. You've got uh, 11 opponents that won at least 15 games, six won at least 20 games, and then Creighton, Kansas State, Oregon, and Ohio State all made the NCAA tournament. Creighton went to the Elite Eight. Ohio State, Sweet 16. This is, this is, this is the opposite of a cakewalk <laughs> non-conference schedule. You know, Mike even said in, in, in the column that Matt Jones wrote in Whole Hog Sports today uh, that very well could end up with six, seven, eight losses going into conference play. But mm-hmm. it, it'll get them ready for the meat grinder of SEC women's basketball. Yeah, definitely will. And with the analytic tools that you know we we talk about, I guess more on the men's side uh, that are being used, you, you don't really get punished for for losing to good teams. You know, a, a loss against a, a top twenty five or a top fifty program, 
uh, doesn't hurt you possibly as bad as it probably used to when everything was based off of off of record and, and then off of conference stuff. So there really is no reason not to try to play a very good non-conference game, conference schedule and to not play the best. And that way, like you said, you're you're prepared for SEC play, which we know how well women's basketball is in the SEC. And, and you just set yourself up for, for strength of scheduling, for, you know, what what is it? Is it RPI? Is the one we go off of? In they use net. It's net. Still, it's it's net, net, right? Yeah. Net, net. Sorry, I had some, there's all these three letters. Remember your anagrams. Yeah, yeah, and it, it helps your net ranking just because the better teams you play, the higher up you go. If if you and if you're able to pull off a win or two against an Oregon or or an Ohio State or against a, a Kansas State, then it's just going to help you uh, tremendously. So I, I applaud my neighbors for putting together this schedule and I hope he continues to do it. And I hope more teams follow because as fans, we want the best matchups. We want really entertaining games. So bring them on. And well, we'll we'll bring up the idea of the men's basketball roster being a lot different and looking longer, you Mm -hmm. know, taller, maybe, maybe more athletic at the same time. The women's team while, while losing Sasha Goforth and Amber Ramirez, Amber to graduation, Sasha stepped away from basketball, uh, while she uh, handles a stomach ailment and hopefully is able to get back to basketball at some point. But I would just like Sasha to feel comfortable and, 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 and not in pain, which it appears she was quite a bit last basketball season. Y- you have some incredibly long guards that are now joining the program and are eligible to play in Sailor Poffenbarger, mm-hmm. formerly from UConn, six foot two guard, and Chrissy Carr, six foot one guard at, out of Syracuse. You know, you, 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 Sam Spencer and Michaela Daniels. I mean, Spencer won SEC Freshman of the Year. Daniels is is is, is outstanding and is going to be the emotional leader of this team next year. Um, you know, they're the they're the smaller guards that play very much identical style: one righty, one lefty. And then adding Mariam Dowda, who was able to practice for most of the season last year for the Razorbacks, the now a redshirt freshman out of Bentonville, six foot four center with incredible athleticism. The height and length of the women's basketball team might even rival the height and the weight and the length of the men's basketball team when it comes down to it. Both these teams are going to be a lot of fun to watch once basketball season begins. 877-377-6963. What position battle interests you the most once preseason football camp begins for Arkansas late next week? We will touch on that and much more as the second hour begins on halftime. Bushlight Apple is back in season at Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith. Eastside Liquor also has Crown Royal Peach Tea, Whiskey Cola, and Apple Cocktails. Come find your new favorite at Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith, 9390 Rogers Avenue. Now, back to the podcast. Second hour of halftime here. It is great to be with you. The sun is shining brightly outside. We might have rain in the forecast at some point. Please bring it. Please bring it. We, we need, need it. it. We need it as badly as possible. The high's only supposed to be like 85 here in the River Valley on Saturday. What? Get out of here. I'm, I'm going to the Peacemaker, Peacemaker Festival this weekend. I might actually wear blue jeans. Now, that that's for a lot of people don't know how rare of a statement that is because I never wear jeans. I'm a khaki man myself. I, I wear khaki pants and khaki shorts, and that, that's about it. But, I mean, with the Peacemaker Festival... 
blue jeans, boots, and cowboy hat might be might be in order. I was once this told weekend. I was once told never wear jean shorts or jorts. And you know, if I have a pair of jorts. Want to bring them together? I don't have jorts, but I always have jeans on during the winter time mm. in the fall. Uh, but I've, I was told by somebody that. Uh, as far as she was concerned, had a had a had a definite interest in the way that I looked uh, in front of people, mm-hmm. uh, and knew her knew her style and knew her uh, fashion and all those sort of things. No jorts. In fact, she threw a pair out that I did <laughs> own before I ever put them on again. The only jorts I've ever worn or owned are jorts that we made for parties for uh, back in college. Joke, like a, joke jorts. Yes, exactly. I mean, the biggest party our fraternity threw every year was called the America Party. And Al, uh, you could tell. <laughs> you mean a America Party, right? America Party, yeah. yes. And you could tell who was Sigma Chi at the party because we all wore very short jorts that uh, leading up the week of uh, your first year, um, the new members of sororities would come over every night and paint the jorts of the pledges and, 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 and Nibs, newly initiated brothers. So, like, it was kind of a tradition type of thing where you all got jorts and most people threw them away. But mine were just so incredible. You, you can't throw them away because uh, uh, wonderful 5U painted a bald eagle on the front of mine. And it is absolutely glorious. <laughs> glorious, Phil. I mean. I'm going to make sure I never see great. you wearing these. I might have to send you a picture of them. Not, not with me wearing to, them. I might but have I'll, send block, you, I'll send you a picture of them. I might it. have to block your phone number for the <laughs> foreseeable future. I don't know if I need to see this. I'll, I'll, ha- pu- I'll put them out on the bed. I'm not going to actually put them on to show you. Jorts, traditions, and Daisy Dukes are jorts, right? Yes, yes. So I know of a softball team where anybody, it's a slow-pitch softball team, by the way. Anybody that strikes out mm-hmm. on this slow-pitch softball team has to wear Daisy Dukes in the next game. Nice. Got I might up. strike out on purpose just to see how it shows off my legs. I bet you could pull it off. You got the frame for it. I might. Have I mean, to you might need. Legs, you might though, need a little man. bit the, more in the on the backside, you know, to really. I'm not fill shaving them out, that but. high up on my legs. I'll only go <laughs> knees down for certain moments. That's it. That's it. Uh, all right. So we asked, what do you think? What is the most interesting position battle at preseason camp? Which, by the way, JT likes that we're calling it preseason camp instead of fall camp. Well, JT, what about fair pole and foul pole? We're going with what they actually are, right? He fights me on the fair pole, foul pole thing, but not on preseason camp in, in, instead of fall camp. Let's look for some, uh, let's look for some consistency. We've, uh, we've got a, a text in from Pointer Fan and Van Buren. Who's going to win the left tackle job? Which I think is, a, is near the top of the list, along with... With who are who are who are you going to be your starting defensive lineman? Mm-hmm. Who's starting on the edge too? I mean, I want to get some pressure there. Um, but yes, left tackle certainly because if one if one important aspect of this next year is lessening the impact on KJ Jefferson, you know, instead of eleven and a half carries per game, maybe seven or eight. Some of this is also just based upon. There's pressure on a quarterback, and he's got to improvise on the fly, and that's one thing KJ is so good at. So less pressure coming from your left tackle position, where Myron Cunningham was awfully good last mm-hmm. year, would be a really good thing. It comes down to Tykeus Crawford or Luke Jones. You know, both transferring in, Crawford out of Charlotte, Jones out of uh, Notre Dame, uh, and they both have the size. Uh, certainly, I hear from Crawford the athleticism. I would anticipate Jones the same. That definitely is a top-of-the-list position battle uh, throughout the year. He also, not throughout the year, but in camp. Pointer fan also asked how, about how much the two Arkansas freshmen, Amarian Harris 
and Andrew Chambly will figure in this year. I just, I mean, you'd, I'd be surprised if the, if, if the true freshmen are getting in that are going to see much playing time unless it's unless there are injuries mm-hmm. or would you or, hope not? You know, late garbage time because uh, we saw a lot of the you know guys that will sit that may end up starting for you this year, like Crawford or Jones, or or in the future. But I I, I guess I'd be surprised if either Chambly or or uh, or Manuel uh, mm-hmm. or Harris uh, figure in too much. It's not that they don't have the size or the pedigree. Um, but offensive line is not a really a position that you right. see a lot of freshmen get mixed into. It's it's definitely something that comes with seniority, I guess, is kind of the best yeah. way to put well, it. Well, I remember like because... two, of the better, two of the better linemen from last year, uh, Drew, were, were Ricky Stromberg mm-hmm. and Ty Clary. They both started as freshmen, and you're thinking, oh, gosh. Yeah, but there's probably some growing pains in there. That's the they are That's so what I mean. Right now because, That's what I mean. It's like yeah. they, should, they probably shouldn't have started those first years just based upon the amount of depth at, that, at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. or in the offensive line. Yeah, then you have much more depth right now and established starters. At, at at least three positions and probably four overall, uh, but yeah, I guess I'd, I would just be surprised if either of the, those two freshmen or any of the freshmen that aren't redshirt freshmen, mm-hmm. you know, play play all that much. Uh, let's see, we got uh, this is Bobby in Cave Springs. We also know him as Hog Noxious every once in a while, and he's given us a call eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Bobby, what's up? How are you? I would have to agree that uh, uh, the defensive line. Um, th- there was a lot of early season success done on what the defensive line did last year. And I think if we're going to be successful, we need some really solid guys there. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to do that. Also, I'd have to agree that nobody wants to see the Eagle Shore, Eagle Jorts being mm. worn. Thank you. I'm not going to no, wear no. them. I'm just going to, th- they were, it, they were glorious that, that, Wonderful young lady. I wish I could remember her name. She did a, an outstanding job. She, Bobby, they could hang in the Louvre. They're that incredibly painted. I promise. My stars. <laughs> okay. Um, we're discussing uh, the timing each of the last two years of Texas and Oklahoma decided it was time to jump ship to the SEC and UCLA and USC a year later, almost to the day, uh, deciding it's time to jump to the Big Ten. Are these uh, switches occurring about the time that those teams are finding what their payout is going to be from the previous year's TV package? That's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know when the when those figures are decided. Uh, I would assume it's got to be at some point in the summer because, you know, a, a university or an athletic department's calendar year, and therefore I think as well the fiscal year, you know, it starts in the middle of summertime. I mean, if your athletic calendar starts with soccer in August and ends with baseball in June, well, then your budgets have to be figured out sometime yeah. in the middle there. And I would think that the money that's coming in from your media partners is is decided around the same time. It seems to be announced at conference meetings, so uh, they probably know it a couple of weeks before. And I suspect that's the most vulnerable time to uh, start poaching from somewhere else when they get the, get the word of what that payout is going to be and then 
Oh, uh, you know what our payout is? Uh, yeah, you want to come be in our conference? You know what, no, though, Bobby, no, like, like, like think about this, too. Like, these conversations have to be going on for months mm-hmm. leading up to the announcement. They have to be. These aren't just turnkey decisions that are made. Uh, this isn't <laughs> the, something you can do on the fly. Right. So I would imagine, like, the con- Kevin Warren says the other day, you know, they're, they're looking at other schools for expansion. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. Notre Dame. And then throw out the... Pack 12 schools that are left over and stuff like that. But I feel like these conversations are being had right now. If the media contracts are being negotiated right now, well, then the conversations with schools and conferences are also happening at the same time. I think they're probably happening as we speak. I, th- I, think, you're, I think you're exactly right. Um, I have previously said I was all in on the pod scheduling where you would you would play everybody home and away every four years. I don't understand this tweak to it where you would have three permanent um, opponents, but they might not be the same for other people that are your permanent opponent. Yeah, that, I, don't, the, I don't know. That's the difference that's in a pod. That's the difference in a pod mm. in the 3-6 schedule format and not having a pod. Essentially, the pods would be looked at as de facto divisions, even though you're not setting up divisions and standings in those divisions. If you're just picking three teams for each school, then you don't have a pod. And it's just three and six, which is the way that I, it feels like that's the way that it's going. It's, it's the same, but not the same kind of it's realistically. Weird. It is very weird to when you try to explain it. But, I mean, it's like, okay, you have this pod system where there's four teams, but then you also have this 3-6 system where, where there's, pod. there's not a pod, and everybody has four teams, but they could be different four teams, and it's weird, and it's different, but, you know, it's just that's just the way the scheduling is probably going to work out, and you know, it just depends what model they go with, 3-6, 2-7, 1-8 even. Like the historic rivalries that have to be preserved, Florida, yeah. Georgia, uh, Auburn, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Auburn, Georgia. <laughs> uh, well, I already said Georgia, Florida. Like I don't know if those South those were, rivalry though. I understand I mean, the longest continuous rival. Understood. They're going to have to make a decision at some point. Mm-hmm. It's the same like with Alabama and Tennessee. Like, these, Man, get rid of that one. Tennessee hasn't won in like twenty years. But you, you, these are going to be the the, the the like the teams that are not in the same pod, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think OU and Texas probably right. won't be in the same pod, but they're going to play each other every year. They'll be they'll be the one. They'll be the one out of the other side that all, they always play on the other side. Um, anyway, it's just there's 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 I I just know I I think the three six model seems to work a little bit better. Uh, to be playing everybody and have at least two other schools, mm-hmm. three other schools, you know that you can count on you're playing every single year. Uh, yeah, so basically I, you I, have a pod and then like two permanent cross-pod opponents? Is that what you're trying to right. kind of basically saying? I mean, I mean, it seems, I, th- I think that really it's if it's a three-six and you're playing your three every year and then you're rotating the other six, mm-hmm. so there isn't a one crossover. That's the seven, that's the seven and one model. That's the seven and one model. Okay. So I think I got my models crossed up here. You can see how confusing this thing can be. I was told there'd be no math with this job. Okay, now I'm getting really sports. confused. Sports and math go together, whether it's dollars and I cents know. or whether it's touchdowns and interceptions and completion percentage and all that kind of stuff. But well, the Arkansas fans seem, seem to be a little upset because uh, Missouri would just naturally come up as as on the list of uh, one of your permanent opponents. Uh 
for a school, for an entity that hasn't got to play Vanderbilt but four times since we've even <laughs> been in the league, uh, I'll not gripe about having Missouri on the schedule every year. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, at least need one guarantee, don't you? Especially in this. There you go. Off a, a win over them for the first time in a few years. Hopefully, make it two. Thank you, guys. Year. Appreciate Good it. To talk to you, Bobby. Always, oh, yeah. always. I'm with some baseball talk. The Cardinals coming up in just a moment. I uh, want to remind you, you got a qualifying round for the 17th annual Thick Burger Eating Contest going on right now at the Hardy's location at 2720 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. And of course, you got to finish your. Hardy's third pound thick burger in 90 seconds or less to qualify. Not 92 seconds, not even 90.1. Ty will be timing you, and he is a stickler. Uh, so the, he's there right now, and up until 1 o'clock at the Hardy's location, 2720 Rogers Avenue. If you qualify, then you are entered for the finals, which is August 20th. The winner this year, of course, you're going to get tickets to the Chiefs and Titans on November 6th in Kansas City. It's the 17th annual football trip of a lifetime brought to you by Hardy's ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright back to the future yesterday in Toronto. Next on Halftime. Guys, it's all about confidence when it's time for sex. Am I right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or just a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun and passion for both of you. But don't worry. BlueChew.com is here to save the day. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a very discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. BlueChew tablets are made right here in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code believe at checkout just pay five dollars shipping that's bluechew.com promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your first month free and the 0-1 hit fair inside the first baseline he is now fourth in hits in cardinals history he passes hornsby with a double up the first baseline and he's two for two tonight about the look on his face right there says it all. You talk about him having fun. It's nonstop. Cardinals are off today. We'll have Katie Wu from The Athletic who covers the uh, Cardinals on the beat in uh, the next segment. 6-1 win over Toronto yesterday. Here is our Pujols after the game on his travels in his last year. It's fake news that we have too many. Nope, that's the wrong guy. That was Aaron Boone. <laughs> this is Albert Pujols, not Aaron Pretty Boone. special. You know, it means a lot to me, uh, you know, my last year of my career and be able to, you know, to enjoy this year and uh, just to travel around and just uh, seeing the appreciation of the fans. It uh, means a lot, you know, at the end of the day. That's who you play for, you know. These guys, uh, the fans come in. We have the best fans in baseball, the Cardinals fans, and they come to support us, you know, whether we're in home or whether in the row. And, uh, you know, just to have the appreciation here, you know, uh, across the border uh, by Toronto is uh, pretty special to me. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still need to focus, you know, and try to do my job and help this ball club to win. 
who holds now uh, fourth all-time in base hits with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Stan the Man at every one of his 3,630 career base hits as a member of the Cardinals. Lou Brock is second. Of course, Brock started his career with the Cubs. He didn't reach 3,000 with St. Louis. Uh, not 3,000 hits as a Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27-13. Yadier Molina is th- 29 base hits ahead of Pujols. And should be playing for Memphis today, too. Remember, Molina is going to be rehabbing with Memphis today and tomorrow. And then Pujols stepped ahead of Rogers Hornsby uh, to fourth all time. Uh, Drew, have you ever seen the quote from Hornsby, who uh, was, I think he had the highest batting average in a single season ever at 424 Mm -hmm. one year in the 20s? And he's famous for one quote that said, somebody asked him, what do you do in the winter? He said, I stare at the, I sit at the window and stare out waiting for baseball. Yeah, season. I've heard that one before. It's like, when I see people put that quote on social media, I say, I think you need to go find something else to do. <laughs> and don't quote Rogers Hornsby because he was a miserable son of a bitch as a manager and as a, and as a hitter, to be quite honest. He didn't even let his players <laughs> read the newspaper or go to a movie because he thought it ruined their eyesight. Well, I mean, when you... Do hold the record for highest batting average. I mean, if that's what you think helped you, you know, get there, then I guess you know, not completely out of out of whack to say that. Who was worse, Hornsby or Ty Cobb? When you start to like, obviously you weren't there, you didn't know either one of them, but both of them just miserable, miserable sobs. I don't know that about, who were two of the Hornsby's, best players of all time. I don't know Hornsby's attitudes of about African Americans and mm-hmm. the, those players of the time, but I've seen enough quotes from Cobb about how he felt about about black mm-hmm. people. So I'll go with I'll go with Cobb. Although, I'll just go with Cobb. Ty Cobb does have a pretty good movie about himself. Uh, have you seen the movie Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's actually it pretty good. Yeah. It's one of those underrated baseball movies that don't pop up in your your top 10 or top 15 all-time greatest baseball movies list that you see online. Very underrated. Very good movie, though. Well, the Cardinals, like today's a day to make a trade. If you're traveling to Washington to take on one of the worst teams in the game that's ready to trade their, their <laughs> what they thought was going to be a future cornerstone in Juan Soto, is St. Louis the landing place? I'll just say the answer is probably uh, no. no, unless you're going to give up the entire farm and knowing full mm-hmm. well that you're going to be replacing your catcher and, you know, Pujols is gone next year. It's not like these guys have had, like, incredible seasons, but certainly Pujols helped them win yesterday. Uh, you got to. I don't think this is a team or a franchise that necessarily can like can can trade away mm-hmm. potential future cornerstones. You know, guys like like uh, like Mason Wynn or like Jordan Walker. Uh, you understand? You'll have to give somebody up in order to get really. I think what they need, which are pitchers, mm-hmm. uh, Frankie Montes from the A's and Ian Happ from the Cubs, maybe, or a Quintana from Pittsburgh. Like you'll have to give up one of those, one of those prize prospects. You got to give up the farm. If you're going to, if you're trading Juan Soto, or if you're trading yeah, you for do. Juan Soto, I just don't see that. Is he, wor- is he worth it? I mean, especially with all the question marks that you have, like, like you said, at, at pitching, because it's not like they really got it, you know, at the big league level or, you know, in the farm system right now. Because I guarantee if there's somebody in Memphis right now that they know could could pitch at the major league level, could be productive and give you the innings that they need, well, they'd be up by now. I mean, that, that's the thing. When you're having pitching struggles, you obviously have to look outward because it, if it was an inward solution, you would have done it by now, right? Yeah. 
So it's got to be something out there. And I just don't see Juan Soto really making a lot of sense, especially if the Cardinals are trying to win right now. I think if they decide to, you know, just only concentrate on Albert, Yachty, and Wainwright's little exit, make it comfortable, we're going to throw, you know, going to just let let them right off in the sunset, you know, and not really worry about winning right now, then, yeah, you might try to go after Juan Soto because he can be – he's still young enough. He can still be a player of the future of your of the next decade for the Cardinals. But you're looking at probably not winning and building a competitive roster for another five years. But and that's, just, that's what it would take they're to in get this, him. They're in this weird position where they're the last team in the playoffs right now if they started today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't act like you're rebuilding or you're not in contention. Mm-hmm. When you're, you're in Saint contention. Louis because you are. And all that it takes is getting into the tournament, man. I mean, you got when you've got it's hitters baseball, like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt of the corners, and those guys get hot, and maybe a Tyler O'Neill like shows up for a couple of weeks, and a, and a Dylan Carlson like improves for a couple of weeks. You could make a run. Mm-hmm. A couple of pitchers, you don't have to trade for a pitcher or two. And 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 Katie did a great job on her recent column in the Athletic, focusing on some of the pitchers that the Cardinals, you know, could look at if they're not going for you know like a like the three that I'd mentioned, a Montas, a Hap, or a or a Quintana, Pablo Lopez from Miami, Martin Perez from the Texas Rangers, Cindergaard from the Angels, Paul Blackburn from the Athletics, Zach Grinky from Kansas City. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Grinky with St. Louis. And Chad Poole from it. Colorado, Nathan Eovaldi from Boston, Patrick Corbin from the Washington Nationals. So certainly some stuff we need to hit on with Katie um, after the break, which we will uh, take right here on Halftime. 877-377-6963. If you got any questions on the text line for Katie Wu of The Athletic, outstanding Cardinals, Cardinals baseball beat writer. And don't forget about CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, hiring right now at both locations in Fayetteville and Russellville. They don't only have the best shakes, burgers, and fries in the entire state, it's also a great place to work. And if you go to ButcherBoyBurger.com, you'll find a career link there on the page. Click on it. it takes you right where you need to go. Keith Wilson and his team will take care of you, and you're going to enjoy your job at CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. Of course, they do have the best burgers, fries, and shakes anywhere in the state at Fayetteville, off of Weddington, and Russellville, right off the interstate. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. And Katie Wu from The Athletic joining us next. It's halftime. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Runners at first and third and two outs. Albert lifts it in the air out to center, and that's number seven. Wow. 686 bombs in what could be his final appearance here in Toronto. Number five is putting on a show. Did you see where that ball landed? Wow. That's somebody's dinner up there in the restaurant. He's three for three. He's a triple away from the cycle. 
I loved it when Danny Mac says he's a triple away from the cycle because Albert hasn't hit a triple since 2014. <laughs> Never. He hit one triple in his time with the Angels, so you knew that wasn't going to happen yesterday. Katie Wu covering the Cardinals for The Athletic at theathletic.com, and we always appreciate your time, Katie, especially on what's probably a travel day for you. How you doing? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. And no, no travel until later today, so no worries at all. All right, very good. So you get the, you get the Washington, get the Nationals, last place in the uh, NL East, and we're expecting Juan Soto to be dealt sometime in the next handful of days. It's, it's, it's not going to be St. Louis, is it? Like There are so many needs that this team has right now, and top of the list would be starting pitching. But, I mean, if you can get Juan Soto, you can't pass on him, right? Yeah, I think that's the most compelling argument. I mean, when you look at the St. Louis Cardinals and their current roster, there are some significant holes, especially in the rotation. Cardinals have been without Jack Flaherty for the majority of the season. He's on the 60-day IL again with another right shoulder strain. He isn't eligible to return back to the majors until August 26th at the earliest. Steven Matz, his season is in limbo, tore his MCL and his first start back off the IL with left shoulder impingement. Uh, the Cardinals are going to give him a few more days. There's, they are optimistic he could avoid surgery. If that's the case, they assume he could be back by the middle of September. Of course, if he does need surgery, he's out for the season. So, you would likely think that the Cardinals would need starting pitching. The problem with this year's trade market is that this is a relatively weak starting pitching class, and the sellers that have the prized starting pitchers are going to raise the prices pretty significantly. So, you can make the argument that if it's going to cost an organization a couple of their top prospects for a rental starting pitcher, you might as well just trade for Juan Soto, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, and especially for, you know, the, the, it's well known about the Cardinals' issues with injuries and, and lack of, of pitching depth behind those injuries in the minor leagues, too. I mean, you know, it didn't work out for Jordan Hicks as a starting pitcher. Andre Pallant is right now getting starts for you. Michaelis and Wainwright, of course. I mean, these guys have been pitching great all year, but it, it just feels like more than anything, St. Louis needs pitchers. You did a great job breaking down some of the pitchers you think are available if the and you know you're right, it's not like the best free age. It's not the best crop of pitchers that are available on the trading market. But you know, guys like uh, guys like Jose Quintana, Ian Happ, Frankie Montes could be top of the list. You don't think the Cardinals will trade inside the division, or that they'll find teams that are willing to trade inside the division? But what about Pittsburgh and Chicago, two teams that well they don't contend right now? No, I, you know, I really don't think the Cardinals are in a position to trade within the division. I think that's something that the organization has pretty much strayed away from for the most part. There are some cheaper arms available outside of the NL Central that really come into play. I know the Cardinals have been interested in Frankie Montas in Oakland for a while. I know he's also dealt with some shoulder inflammation right before the All-Star break, but he's made 19 starts. He's pitched twice since that shoulder inflammation break. And uh, he certainly seems like a prime target for the Cardinals, but he is going to cost heavily almost as much as what teams are asking for Soto. Now, he's not going to cost four top prospects and some players with uh, substantial team control, but he's going to require a couple of top prospects at the minimum for a rebuilding Oakland team. So, again, it it makes sense. If you're going to to give up that heavily for a starter, you might as well look to trade for Soto and then see what's left. And that's kind of what the story on The Athletic just went up a couple of minutes ago detailed. It looks at eight starting pitchers outside of the NL Central that could be a potentially cheaper option for the Cardinals. But look, the Cardinals aren't necessarily looking for a a pitcher with multi-years of control. I mean, Adam Wainwright's in a one-year deal. No one knows what his future holds. I'm sure if he wants to come back to St. Louis, there would be mutual interest in making that happen. But 
I know better than to speculate over Wainwright's future at this point. Miles Michaelis has a year remaining. Jack Flaherty should be back without injury. At least they're hoping so. Steven Bass is locked up for three more years. The Cardinals essentially need a stopgap starter, so it doesn't make sense for me to see them giving up so many prospects and such a hefty return for a couple of months of need, which is why you look at guys like Noah Syndergaard. You look at Paul Blackburn, another suitor out of Oakland. You look at guys like Chad Cool with the Rockies, and you even look at maybe a Zach Greinke. You can see what you can get on the free agent market for a half year of control. Martin Perez is probably your best option there. He's on a one-year, $4 million deal with Texas. We're not sure if Texas wants to trade him. They're certainly not a playoff team now, but there has been talk about possible extensions for Perez. Those are the kinds of guys that I think the Cardinals are targeting to kind of revamp the rotation and hold them over until there's more clarity on their injured pitchers. More on Soto for a moment here, because there's, you know, if you're going to trade for him, then chances are you probably are going to do everything you can to sign him, too. This is not just a rent a player. You're trading and expect him to be a cornerstone of your franchise. Um, I feel stupid even asking this question, knowing that St. Louis is a, it's viewed as a mid, as a, as a mid market team, but I mean, they operate like a large market mm-hmm. team. Maybe not quite at the level of the Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers and everything, but it feels like if Soto's going to be paid what he feels he's worth, it's going to happen on the coast. Can the St. Louis Cardinals afford Juan Soto? That's the biggest question mark for me. I think the reason you see the Cardinals really kind of connected with Soto this whole time is because they're one of the few systems in baseball that has the depth to. to create a package for Soto. I mean, sure, the Cardinals never really draft in the top 10 or top 15, yet they consistently find a way to, to kind of turn out top prospects. They have a bunch of the AAA level. They have a bunch of promising prospects in Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, and they have a substantial amount of players with team control remaining already on the roster. So I think that's why you see the Cardinals connected. As you mentioned, it's really difficult to fathom where the money is coming from. Now, the Cardinals have, have offered... 2022, 2023, and possibly 2024 as their prime windows of contention, that does line up for the amount of years that Juan Soto would hypothetically be under team control. I I do hesitate to see the Cardinals giving up such a hefty package for two and a half years of Soto if there isn't a plan to resign him. I also don't know where that money would come from. It would be so unlike St. Louis to offer an extension of half a billion dollars. I mean, what, we've, their biggest extension that we've seen lately it came in 2019 with a five-year, $190 million extension for Paul Goldschmidt, and that was a big deal for St. Louis. So I'm not saying it's improbable. I do think it's possible the Cardinals trade for two and a half seasons of Soto and then potentially let him walk if it lands him a World Series, but it doesn't make sense to trade for him in the big picture and not have a plan to extend him. Realistically, Katie, I mean, you talk about you know maybe letting him walk after two and a half years if he does bring uh, another commissioner's trophy to St. Louis, but is he really the missing piece? Because it, it does feel like there's so many, that while the Cardinals are a good team, it doesn't feel like they're a great team. I mean, would he actually be the, the one piece that could get them over the hump and put them in a, as a real contender in your eyes? No, that's a good point. The Cardinals are a good team in a bad division, and they're helped by because they can consistently beat up on their NL Central opponents. But I'm not quite sure if they're the missing piece, because yes, if you get Juan Soto, don't get me wrong, that's a generational Mm -hmm. talent, an instant boost to your lineup. You have guys like Tyler O'Neill who've been pressing in the first half, and they have a little bit of weight alleviated off them. Same to go with Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson, who've been kind of the underrated, unsung heroes. Cardinals are still missing Harrison Bader with plantar fasciitis. There's no timetable for their return for him. And they will get a little bit of a boost in Yadier Molina, who's set to come back August 2nd. So big day all around for Cardinals there. But I think it goes back to, you know, 
Juan Soto can improve the offense and the defense, and he's a superstar and absolutely a talent that should be explored on the trade market, of course. But what will a two-and-a-half-man rotation get you if you're relying on Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, and Dakota Hudson? Because Andre Pallante is almost already at his career innings limit, and that's certainly something the Cardinals want to avoid because they'll need them for, you know, two more months. So, well, I certainly see the allure in Juan Soto, and if you have a generational talent available and you think you have the pieces to trade for it, I'm certainly going to push for that. But that's why the cheaper arms available in the starting pitching market should suddenly be seeing more attention because it looks like if the Cardinals do decide to go in on Soto, that'll be the route that they take. Mm-hmm. And with it kind of being this change in the guard type of season, obviously Rain White, uh, Pujols, and, and Molina probably all three would be um, this is their final season. Cardinals have been kind of stuck in this limbo for the last few years of, of good but not great. Is, is it time to really consider um, a, a full-on blow-up and rebuild? Well, that's what I think Cardinals fans can appreciate about the organization is they don't rebuild mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily need to. I mean, they've never had a losing season under President of Baseball Operations John Mazalock without ever having to draft outside the, or inside the top 10. I think they've had one season in the last 10 or so years where they did not make the playoffs. They're always consistent, so they don't need to have a rebuild. They are always good enough, and I think that's where fans get a little frustrated because it's kind of a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. They're always good enough where you can't justify a rebuild, and that's not something that the organization has ever really stood for or really considered. At the same time, fans have been frustrated because they're good enough. It's a good enough ball club, but not great enough. And I think there's been a little bit of frustration in early playoff exits. I mean, 2019, they go to NL Central, but other than that, it's you know scrambling to win the division, an early wild card exit. That's what makes 2022 and 2023 so imperative for the Cardinals because it really does look like their prime window of World Series contention if they are healthy, one, and if they can acquire a couple more pieces, which is why I think, again, why you're seeing the Cardinals connected to Juan Soto so frequently. It's all about getting into the tournament, though, isn't it, Katie? I mean, we, we, we saw that with the Braves last year. I mean, we see that with see that in college it's baseball. With the Nationals a couple years we ago. See, yeah, the Nationals see it in college baseball. Ole Miss, last team in, wins the thing. I mean, I know it's different sports, but you know how this sport is. It's about getting hot at the right time. All St. Louis has to do is get into the tournament, and you just you don't know what can happen, especially when you've got dynamic hitters at the corners. A, 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 I know you say two and a half pitchers, but a couple of pitchers that get hot can really go a long way sometimes. But then I look at St. Louis as 25 and 16 against the NL Central. They're 27 and 31 against everybody else. And then I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe they won't get hot in October. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair, and it's funny you say that. I always say it's all about getting hot at the right time. I mean, the Cardinals aren't even in the playoffs last season without their historic 17-game winning streak, which I will say it's not a sustainable method to rely on that again in September. Certainly they're going to have to play a little bit better in August to, to avoid that. I think it's very improbable that they can have those kinds of odds again. But I do think this is a team that no matter what seems to figure it out in September Winning streak aside, there's a reason that teams don't want to play the Cardinals this late in their schedule. There's a reason teams don't want to play the Cardinals in the postseason is because they ultimately know how to win, and they seem to click at the right time. However, I will say that this trade deadline, I think, carries a little bit more weight than the season's prior because there are such heavy expectations. I mean, you're seeing prime seasons from Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. You, of course, from a fan perspective, want Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols to be on a high note. You have some of coming-of-age players, as in Tommy Edmonds, Dylan Carlson, who I think hasn't even touched his ceiling yet. They're all ready to go, and I think for the Cardinals, there's a significant amount of pressure to make the move to win now. Yeah. Let me ask you about what you think of the job Oliver Marmol and the, and the coaching staff has done. When you have all these injuries, at position players, 
not even just injuries, but players that didn't play up to the level you expected, you know, like Paul DeYoung, uh, and yet you're still clinging on to that last spot in the playoffs. I know it's late July and we're not, you know, making votes for manager of the year or anything, but it, it feels like Ollie Marmol has done a, a pretty good job to this point. I think I would agree. And I think the, the biggest difference in Ollie Marmol's tenure that we've seen in managers in the past has been his, his willingness to embrace flexibility and lineup fluidity. And I've talked about this pretty frequently, but we're seeing a lot of different lineups each day. Ollie Marmel is not someone who's committed to playing the same nine every day. He really likes the versatility. It's what makes guys like Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan so valuable to this club because he can slot them in any other position, really play the matchups. He's not afraid to bench guys when they're not playing well. He's not afraid to pull guys out when they're not giving full effort. I think Ollie has a pretty good command of this clubhouse when you have two cornerstones and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato in the corners of the infield. And you have guys like Tyler O'Neill coming back from injury. You have Dylan Carlson, again, really I think could be a breakout season for him. And you have expendable pieces like Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan to slot around and play different positions. I think that is super, super helpful. I mean, the Cardinals had a brutal first half of baseball. They had one of the toughest schedules in baseball. I think the only toughest one on paper was the Dodgers. But their second-half schedule is regarded as the easiest in baseball with a significant amount of off days. I think that's where you're really going to see Ollie put his best foot forward because he'll have not only the lineup flexibility to make these decisions, but ample off days to go into, into those decisions as well. Katie, you are the absolute best. Always love talking St. Louis Cardinals baseball when you have time for us here on Halftime. Safe travels to D.C., and thanks again. Hey, guys, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Hey, thanks, Katie. Appreciate it. Katie Wu from The Athletic covering the St. Louis Cardinals as close and upfront as anybody possible. If you're on Twitter, go to at Katie J. Wu and uh, give her a follow. It does great work. Uh, also, don't forget about Crabtree RV Center. Been serving in the River Valley in Northwest Arkansas for over 73 years. Giant lot. They've got everything you need there at Crabtree RV right at the uh, right where uh, the interstates meet, right there at the Alma exit. Next to the Cracker Barrel, RV Sales 800-251-6816. i got the parts and service department to take care of. you got a breakdown and a large used selection and uh, all the great brands at Crabtree RV Center. CrabtreeRV.com for more information. And a wrap halftime up after this. Why do people do business with First Western? Because First Western builds relationships with all of their customers. They partner for the long haul to help you with your financial goals over all seasons of life. First Western is prompt, responsive, and they deliver with quick answers and on-time loan closings. When is the last time your banker called you? You are looking for a high level of service and a financial partner who will listen and respond. Try First Western. For more information, visit them online at firstwestern.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender found this list on Reddit. Uh, so Jansen Junk earns his first Major League win as a pitcher yesterday for the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Junk has got to be on the list of uh, greatest names for pitcher ever for the reasons you might not want to hear, especially the fact that how old is Jansen Junk? Let's see. He's 26 and a half years old. So he's... He, Usually your junk ballers might you feel like they're a little bit older mm-hmm. if they get into the major leagues. It's tough to break into the majors if you throw junk. You stay there for a while, you turn into a junk baller, maybe you can stick around a little bit longer. It's like the guy from the movie Major League, you know, right. lift up his hat and Vaseline there, a little bit on the side. And yeah, but he didn't have the name. to watch me really close. I just 
free game just wipes some jalapeno on my nose. He just was Ed Harris. <laughs> it's I mean, not that's, on it. That's a, that's a boring name. <laughs> Love the name. The all-unfortunate name-pitching name staff. Uh, Taiwan Walker, Bob Walk. I love Bob Walk with the Pirates. It's a good one. Homer Bailey. You don't want to be mm-hmm. named Homer. Uh, Roy Hit, Hit with two T's. Homer Blankenship, Dan Runsler, Jay Baller, Eric Plunk, Grant Balfour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Balfour, but Balfour, that would work. And Jansen Junk belongs on the list. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's see, we got a caller on hold here. Who we got? PA from Texarkana is on hold. Hey, PA, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? I I don't know how much you guys have talked about this today, but about that, what I saw, just got through seeing a clip of the Razorback basketball squad practicing. Mm-hmm. And it was abbreviated. Granted that, I'll give it that much. But those guys, I'm telling you, if I was in SEC and I was another coach, I'd be I'd be quite concerned about having to play Arkansas, mm-hmm. and that includes John Calipari at famous Rupp Arena. Doesn't matter where those boys are. those boys are unbelievably talented. I would tell and I don't see a weakness at I don't see any weakness at one through ten. You know the first two squads. I didn't see any weaknesses there. Maybe there are. I'm sure there are. But uh, those guys looked ultra talented, and like they, they looked like they played together quite a bit. And I tell you, who looks good out there is that Darian Ford. He's not quite as celebrated as some of the other newcomers, but the kid from Magnolia can flat out play. Drew's been on. Drew's been on. Uh, I was about to on, say, on, I've been. I'm on the Darian Ford train for like two, three hey, months. Hey, PA, we uh, we had Bob Holt on the show in the first hour, and, uh, yeah. and he was at practice, and he gave us a lot of thoughts about it. We played some sound from us, and uh, so if you download the Eastside Liquor podcast, yeah. once our show is complete, we had a lot of stuff on the mm-hmm. basketball practice. Drew was there too. I'll, I'll yeah, definitely go back and listen to the first hour, no doubt. I well, want to hear that. I definitely. hope it would be worth. I think it would well, be worth your time. time. Does it sound it. about right, though, Drew? I mean, just watching up front, up close, the way you were able to, mm-hmm. it, it hits differently when you're watching in person than when you're watching clips on social media. It, it does hit different. And, you know, like I said with Bob, maybe I was trying to find things wrong because all we've heard about and all we talked about is how great these guys are. You're and just they a are, skeptic. They are really good. But some things did jump out to me. And it wasn't that anybody played bad. You know, I, I as much as high as I've been on De'Aaron Ford, and I can't really hold this against him because they were using the the FIBA balls, which is a smaller ball. I thought shooting was a little bit off from from De'Aaron Ford and some other guys. Barry Dunning Jr. and Jordan Walsh really didn't jump off the page at me, and, and you know, I don't know if it was just because we were there for the last thirty minutes of a four hour long practice, but I thought Anthony Black kind of lacked on the defensive side a little bit. But then again. They are so good that I'm trying to find something wrong. I think that that might be why I found things wrong or why I've been a little critical is because this team is so good. Yeah. you got to be like, well, I can't just go out. I just can't go to the show tomorrow and be like, they're awesome. It's great. No here, no flaws. Nothing wrong. Here it is, July that's not, 28th. That's not, that's not good radio. That's it's not Ju- good analysis. I mean, there July are 28th. things that they have to work on. And Drew Barrett already wants to break up the whole team. I, no, come on. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't He's do that. He's already calling for Musk to be put on the uh, hot seat. Definitely don't say that. Come on. <laughs> Come on. 
Oh, yeah. No, well, they're really good. It's going to be it's All be positivity to tomorrow if we can get a report from you tomorrow right. as well. All right. It's been good stuff today. Feel good about it. That's right. And halftime back with you tomorrow. For Drew and for Maddie, I'm Phil. Get up. Get out. Get better. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then, learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.